Welcome to podcast number 67 on June 8th of 2022. My name is Ian Duncan MacDonald. I am the author of four investment books. Today, I will first answer five questions that I've received in the last week, and then I will begin reading from chapter two of my first investment book, Income and Wealth from self-directed investing. This chapter covers such topics as inflation's impact on the economy and how to invest $250,000. Question number one. Why doesn't the government do something about inflation? There is no magic tap that can be turned on and off to control inflation. We live in a capitalist society in which supply and demand determines the price of everything we buy. For example, if you believe that paying $9 is too much to pay for a head of lettuce, then you do not eat lettuce or you find a less expensive alternative. Today, it was reported that Australians are paying $9 a head for lettuce. If no one pays $9 for lettuce, then the retailer has to reduce the price or eat the loss when the lettuce spoils. Already, people's habits are changing because many prices are already perceived as being too high. To cope with high gasoline prices, there will be more carpooling and use of public transit by commuters. More used cars will become available for sale. Purchases of unnecessary items will decline as money gets shifted to cover the increased price of necessities. Clothing retailers have started to feel this pinch since new clothing is not a necessity and is a seasonal product. Look for sales in the near future as clothing retailers try to reduce their inventories to generate enough cash to pay their suppliers who ship them merchandise on net 30 and net 60 day terms. The banks will continue, as always, to make money because when credit card holders can no longer pay off their credit card balances, the banks will be able to charge 20% interest rates on the unpaid balances. There will also be more general lending to cover the increased need for money to cover living expenses. As the demand for borrowed money increases, look for the banks to start paying high interest rates on saving accounts so they can meet the borrower's demands for more money. Collection agencies will do well as they are flooded with collection claims from suppliers unable to collect their accounts receivable and who do not want to borrow money from the bank at ever-increasing interest rates to cover their operating expenses. Salaries will go up and keep employees from leaving to seek higher pay. I remember in the 70s putting through not only frequent salary increases, but frequent price increases to meet my profit objectives. The annual price increase was too long a period to wait for these adjustments. I understand the average inflation rate has been 3.5% over the last 100 years. For the last few years, 
it has been hovering around 1%. During the 1970s, it was in the area of 20%. Rates tend to return to their averages. Interest rates will accelerate until those willing to buy on credit shrink to a point that interest rates will need to be cut back to encourage more credit purchases. Yes, mortgage rates are going to climb, and those who can no longer accommodate increased mortgage payments will lose their homes and then their equity they put in those homes to buy them. House prices will decrease to a level to match what a buyer can now afford. Good or bad, this is the way the capitalist system works. If you thought that somehow we were immune from the economic realities, then you were mistaken. In anticipation of such natural occurrences, I have invested in financially strong companies paying high dividends because I know from looking at the historical records that their executives will make the hard decisions to make sure they meet their profit targets just like I did. From profits, dividends are paid. I live off my dividends. Question number two. How would you now invest a quarter of a million dollars? If I were to invest $250,000, I would do exactly as I've done in the past. I would invest $25,000 in the 10 financially strongest companies I could find paying the highest dividends. This requires some judgment. I use stock scoring software to sort out prospective purchases. I would check their prices and dividend payouts for the last 20 years and only keep those that showed ever-increasing results. My research has proven to me that consistent companies continue to pay out their dividends even during market crashes, and their share prices always rise to new record levels after the market crashes. I would also follow the 10 tips I related in Podcast 66. If I invested the dividends, I would expect that portfolio to grow to $500,000 within five years. Question number three. Is Warren Buffett's and Charlie Munger's style of investing obsolete? This same question was asked in 2000, just before the market crashed. All the smart money was being frantically pushed into dot-com companies by the hotshots who said that things are different now. Value investing is old-fashioned. Fortunes were quickly lost in the subsequent crash by those who listened to the hotshots and invested in new and profitable tech companies. Now we have the same hotshots pushing cryptocurrency for which Buffett recently said he would not give $25 for the billions of dollars invested in bitcoins. Speculators who will invest fortunes in companies who have never made a profit or in investments without tangible value, because such companies have potential, always astound me. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger understand businesses and how businesses make money. 
They look at the history of companies and analyze their financial strength before buying them. If the numbers indicate strength and long-term growth, they buy. They are patient and willing to watch such a company grow slowly. Getting rich quick is not a consideration. This approach is far from being obsolete. It is the essence of good investing. As Warren Buffett has often said, rule number one, don't lose money. Question number four. Should I get depressed over losing money in the stock market? I lost $300,000 in the stock market in 2000. I did not get depressed. I got motivated to find a safer, better way to invest. At that time, I thought investing was complicated and beyond my abilities. I'd given a financial advisor control of my life savings. I now realize how stupid it was to trust anyone with my money. The safer way I found to invest has been outlined in the 10 tips I related in my previous podcast, number 66, and in the stock scoring software I created to let me sort stocks from best to worst. My portfolio is 500% greater than it was in 2000, and I have lived off a very generous dividend income for 17 years. Investing is not difficult or time-consuming. Even during market crashes, dividends keep getting paid, even if your portfolio declines by 50% in share price. Stock prices always recover to new record highs in financially strong companies. Question number five. Is it wise and disciplined to sell a part of the stock to get your investment capital back and leave the rest so you don't bother much losing? If you are a speculator who buys stocks with the intention of selling them as soon as they show a significant increase in share price, then you have the perpetual problem all speculators have. Is the fall in a share price going to get worse and never recover, or is it just a temporary setback? Not being able to predict future prices accurately means you will have to live with the stress of waiting or selling at a loss and live with the regret. If you instead invested in financially strong companies, that paid high dividends, the roller coaster fluctuation of share prices becomes just background noise. You live off your dividend income, not trying to time when to buy and when to sell your stocks to create income to live on. Companies exist to create profits. Share prices are just a byproduct. Dividends are derived from profits, not from share prices. Financially strong companies paying high dividends over time not only have ever-increasing share prices, but ever-increasing dividend payouts. This keeps you well ahead of inflation. There is very little reason to sell such stocks. It is the managers of companies making revenue and expense decisions that create profits. 
they are ruled by their profit budgets. If revenue objectives cannot be met, they will cut expenses to meet the profit objective so they can pay their usual dividends. This goes on even during market crashes and recessions. Go back and look at histories of financially strong companies, share prices and dividend payouts for proof of this. Speculators are motivated by the fear of losing money and the hubris of thinking a stock can never decline. Fortunately, the share prices is the only thing that they can impact. I am now going to read from Chapter 2 of my book, Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing. This chapter is titled, Value Investors and Speculators. The book was released in 2019. The chapter begins with, To be a self-directed value investor, you need to first establish a self-directed trading account, which will take a few hours. Chapter 6 walks you through the process. Once this portfolio is established, you will only need to spend a few minutes each day confirming that it is performing as expected. Perhaps every six months, you may want to spend a few hours doing a thorough review of your 20 stocks. Why 20 stocks? Why not 50 or 500? The larger the number of stocks, the more time you must devote to managing your portfolio. 20 is an optimum number. For safety's sake, only 5% of your wealth should be invested in any one stock, no matter how wonderful you think one stock might be. 5% times 20 stocks equals 100% of the cash you wish to invest. You should buy stocks that you expect to own for the rest of your life. Inevitably, one or two of these carefully selected stocks will show a temporary loss in value and may be worth less than what you pay for them. However, this loss will be offset by the 18 other stocks in your portfolio that will show a gain in value. When one stock that was down bounces back, another one of the 20 will probably decline. To have all 20 gainers at the same time would be unusual, no matter how carefully you have chosen your portfolio. Therefore, the emphasis should be on the total value of the portfolio, not on the status of each individual stock. It would be unusual if a carefully chosen stock did not grow. Anticipate that your dividend income will exceed what you need to live on. You may add this surplus income to the 20 stocks in your portfolio. I recognize that there are some who love the thrill of gambling in the stock market. They are speculators. To maximize quick profits, they will risk every cent or even borrow money to buy a single stock. They are certain it is going to skyrocket and deliver great wealth. As soon as the stock has reached what they think is its highest price, they sell it. To realize a profit, 
there must be a buyer, someone who is convinced the stock has not achieved its highest price. One of them is wrong. Having sold the stock, the seller must now search for another hot stock whose price is undervalued. Speculators repeat this game over and over and over. Since speculative stocks do not usually pay dividends, speculators generate income by selling shares in their portfolio. With less capital to invest, they take greater risks to compensate for their shrunken portfolio. Unlike speculators, value investors realize income by buying shares in well-run, profitable, dividend-paying companies which have prospered for years and will continue to prosper. Laws exist that require public companies to make their audited financial statements available to the public. This financial data makes it possible to identify profitable companies paying dividends year after year. You are unlikely to see a dividend paid by a company that is not profitable. The reason you invest in several companies is that some companies are in favor while others are out of favor. Stock prices fluctuate based on facts, emotions, and rumors. Of my shares in 20 solid companies, I may have one to three that are below their share prices in which I bought them. Since even these out-of-favor stocks are in good, solid companies, they almost always recover and show an increase over the price I paid originally for them. The price gains in my other stocks make up for those that are down. Almost all the stocks that I have bought over the last 20 years are still in my portfolio, generating a steady income while the share prices grow and increase my wealth. Perhaps two or three times in a lifetime, an investor will pass through a period where large numbers of investors lose confidence in the stock market and sell their shares. It is surprising how quickly the value of a portfolio can drop when this happens. Within weeks, the value of a portfolio could be worth half of what it once was. However, while the stock prices dropped in several of your stocks, but not all, you still own the same number of shares you have always owned in these companies. Since you have invested in solid, profitable companies, you will find that they will most likely continue to pay the same amount in dividends that they were paying before the drop. Why? Because even in times of economic decline, people still buy food, keep money in a bank, pay rent, and so on. Companies still make sales and profits. It is unlikely that your dividend income will show any significant decrease as you wait for the share prices to rebound. A stock market downturn is not the end of the world. It is a pause, a period of adjustment in the economy. You are not a speculator. You wait it out. If you look at a 100-year chart, you'll see significant setbacks, perhaps every 5 to 10 years, 
but the stock market over decades always shows an ever-increasing value. Speculators often sell at the first sign of a major stock market downturn and take their losses. They will sit with their cash, looking for safe investments. This is the time when some will invest in solid companies paying dividends because they know the share prices of these companies are the first to recover. As soon as speculators think the market has recovered, they will sell their dividend-paying stocks. Their cash is needed to invest in the next hot speculative stock, certain to make them super rich. My long career in the commercial risk information industry taught me the benefits of being a value investor. Research showed me that every year 20% of businesses cease to operate. A similar number of businesses appear to replace them. Businesses fail because of competition, new technology, and poor management. Their removal from the marketplace is a benefit to competitors who acquire the failed company's clients. Over a period of 20 years, I researched commercial success and failure in a database of 2 million businesses. I learned that companies like human beings establish a unique character. These patterns of successful behavior are passed on to future generations of employees. Profitable companies that pay dividends year after year reveal the successful behavior value investors seek. The only thing consistent in life is change. Value investors need to consult the media for mergers, acquisitions, changes in laws, departures of key executives, and new technologies that can wipe out profits. In anticipation of significant changes in a few companies in their portfolio, more than 5% should be invested in any one stock. Speculators don't look for such patterns. I admire their bravery, even if I do not understand it. One of my close friends, a speculator, buys hundreds of thousands, even millions of shares in a company for a few cents per share. Sometimes the penny share prices rises over a few months to be worth more than a dollar. He can realize a profit of several hundred thousand dollars. However, to realize this gain, the shares must be sold and taxes paid on the capital gain. A few times he was fortunate to sell a penny stock at a site just before the public learned that the stock was a fraud. Millions were lost by those investors whose late entry and exit timing were not as fortuitous. My research of his speculative stock purchases reveal that all of our new companies with a share price below $1, unprofitable, and having problems marketing their services. My friend told me stories of being a victim of pump-and-dump investments. This occurs when a stock promoter pumps or talks up. The tremendous potential of a penny stock is as if it were the next Apple or the next Microsoft. Gullible speculators jump in 
and bid up the limited number of penny shares to dizzying heights. When the stock promoter, a major shareholder, thinks the price has peaked, he dumps, sells his shares. The price of this worthless stock then drops back to a few cents. Some late-entry speculators who, bought, who put all their money into what they thought was a sure thing when the share price was quickly rising lose their life savings. Usually, they learn nothing from this loss. As soon as they save more money, they start looking for the next big opportunity to become rich and recoup their previous losses. Speculators who at various times appear to be wealthy do not seem to live happier or more fulfilled lives than value investors. They check their penny stock every few hours to see whether it has gone up or down by a penny. A rise of a few pennies can make them joyful. The decline of the stock by a few pennies can make them fear that they are about to become paupers. They are constantly waging a battle of indecision. Has the stock reached its peak? Have I made a bad decision on the stock? Is it ever going to rise? Should I sell or should I hold? As value vet investor, I can go for months without looking closely at all the stocks that I manage. I carefully choose stocks for their value. My sole concern is the growth of the total diversified portfolio, not just one stock in it. From time to time, the share price of some of my stocks will go down temporarily, but almost all my shares are well above the price that I first bought them. Some have tripled in value. The most value a stock can lose is the price you paid for it, but there is no limit as to how high the share price of a well-chosen value stock can rise. Thank you. Good night. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com.